It's time for America's six favorite Georgia Bulldogs football podcast. That's right. It's the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Without further ado, here's Matt and Kyler with another week of reflection on Georgia Bulldogs football and poor life decisions. Yes, Georgia Bulldog fans, college football fans, D-O-T-E-O-B fans. Welcome back. It's another week of the podcast. We missed y'all last week. It was a bye week. I was on vacation. Kyler had stuff he was doing too. We tried to record, but then, you know, we didn't. There was nothing pertinent because it was a bye week. So we decided we'll make it a bye week for the podcast as well. But Kyler, what'd you do in the bye week? Did you have fun? Did you, you enjoy yourself? Yeah, the, the bye week was uh, pretty laid back. Um, you know, I actually got to sit back and, and, and watch a ton of games last week. I, you know, I feel like, I, you know, I might catch the 12 o'clock slot and, and, you know, catch all those games. And then, you know, I'm watching maybe the dogs at 3.30. We tend to like to kick off primetime, you know, being all number one and everything. And then, you know, by the night, you know, either it's, it's uh, you know, alcohol's taken over and, you know, my brain's not really – comprehending all the all the football going on so uh, it was nice to be able to just kind of relax sit back and, and enjoy the beautiful sport of, of college football man so I, I had a big one how was your bye week and I think that you did some some pretty cool stuff uh since we last spoke on here yeah great great bye week and and you know I don't think we've spoken we actually we hung out the week prior we went to a concert. We saw old Kojo, Kojo, I think as they call it. So, Kojo. I, you know, yeah, we, we saw, saw uh, Cord jo- Cody Johnson. He was uh, right. Cody Johnson, right? I got that right. Nailed it, man. Nailed it. I, was, I keep saying Corey Johnson for some reason. But anyways, uh, that was a good show. That was a good time with you. And then, yeah, this week, uh, Emmy and I went out and saw Michelle Branch, her favorite artist in the whole wide world. And it was it was as as delivered or as promised. I feel like so she was really happy and it was a good show. No no complaints. But yeah yeah oh yeah yeah she brings it. I I I would recommend it to anybody who's on the fence. Like I don't know Michelle Brands. No, she's good and she's got a great voice and it really kind of shone through even in a real small venue. We went to this place Belly Up in uh, in. Uh, Solana Beach, kind of north of San Diego. It's a cool venue. I think it's been there like 25 years. It was celebrating. So um, definitely an iconic, like smaller rock venue. So I, I, I'm all aboard on both saying, go see Michelle Branch and go to a show at Belly Up. Both are, are good things. Um, and I'll say the show was sold out. So it's also cool just seeing, I love going to environments and the Kojo show was basically sold out too. Anytime you have a a time to get everybody together, whether it's college football, whether it's a concert, I mean, I don't know. There's something about the collective experience collar. That's freaking awesome. But um, before I finish my rant, I'll just finish up by saying college football Saturday, we went and found this freaking rooftop bar right on the coastline right by you know sailboats in the background looking at that and then i got michigan and uh or excuse me ohio state and penn state 
on the screen, one of the screens, uh, you know, there was Arkansas, Mississippi State on the other screen. I felt bad because I had them change it, and I didn't want to have them change it again and again. It wasn't that type of place. But, um, you know, you, you can only get what you get. So it, it was awesome. You know, I, I got to watch it. I feel like maybe one of the bigger games. And then, yeah, just bar hopped around uh, San Diego for the rest of the day. And, yes, got a lot of college football watching in, and it was freaking awesome. So, yeah. Uh, Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, San Diego. Yeah, always a great spot, good place to hang out. Um, yeah, I, I wish that I had more opportunities, you know, to be watching football, looking at water at the same time. You know, I feel like that's, that's you know, kind of what the American dream's made of right there. So glad you got to, to live that one out uh, this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was, you know, what is more, like water or I don't know. I feel like if college football was in ski season and there is bowl season, but it's not the same thing. But, I mean, that to me, that's like truly the dream is going and skiing on a mountain and then like having apres ski while I'm watching freaking Texas, Oklahoma or something. That And, yes, obviously the dogs are involved, but I'm t- I'm saying like – if the dogs are involved, I'm probably much more focused on the dogs game. And yeah, you like I say, you do you can get that in bowl season, but it's just it's not the same thing as like going and just having a full slate of games. So uh, as much as I love the fucking water, um, and I don't want to seem like I'm complaining because literally it was incredible. It is the American dream, but my like true dream scenario uh, is an impossibility. So I'll take it. I'll take the, the ocean and the water. Um, all right, let's get into it, Kyler. Uh, as the world turns, a lot has happened in the college football world since we talked Um and we're going to get into the Georgia Vanderbilt game. I think we'll go maybe talk about that later as we talk about the Florida game as well. But I just want to get your take on like things that you thought were seismic shifts in the college football world. Uh, and that can include things outside of the game of football. Um, obviously the biggest story being discussed even outside of like college football and like the insular bubble um, probably the largest story of the season since Deion Sanders kind of had his hot start is Michigan football and the the cheating scandal, cheating scandal, as I put it up in quotation marks, um, taping scandal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's that, but, uh, you know, and I'll give you my take on that in a little bit, but then, then there's also games, you know, North Carolina is really the one that comes to mind for me in the Virginia, but you also have a team like Ohio state and Penn state. And that was a pretty big game. I know you were kind of sold on Penn state and, uh, Ohio state got the, uh, got the W, but like so much more has happened in those two weeks. Uh, so yeah, tell me, I mean, what, what are the things that you kind of spotlight as, as the big happenings? Well, I think that people kind of, I mean, the one thing I want to point out, I think that people already knew, um, but, you know, the the parody in college football is is real. Um, there, there's nobody that's safe um, out there. Um, everybody has, has struggled with somebody. Um, and, you know, we saw that with um, Washington, you know, taking it down to the wire with, with uh, Arizona State. Arizona State had every opportunity to win that game and knock off a you know, big-time opponent like Washington. So, um, and yeah, like you mentioned, UNC, you know, losing to, to UVA, who has been very, very down this year. Um, you know, UNC started off this season strong, undefeated, and, and end up dropping this one, right? So, 
Um, and, and just the, you know, the, the lack of offense from Penn State, you know, a team that had played well for, for most of the year, had an accurate quarterback. And, and then, you know, this game, the, you know, the defensive line of, of Ohio State just kind of took over. And, and you know, this is great team we thought that we, we had in, in, in Penn State is just simply simply not the case. And so, um, you know, just just seeing that um, is is awesome for college football. I can't remember a year where there, you know, wasn't, you know, this kind of dominant tier of, uh, you know, of teams. Right. So that, that I think that's awesome um, and, and great for the sport um, on hardball. Yeah. That's obviously the, the, the talk of the town. Um, you know, some of the things that I'm hearing that floating around is, is that they've already gone to see the dogs like four to five times this year. So, uh, you know, I'm like, well, probably need to get as much scouting as possible. I mean, this team's ready to, to mow some people down on the, on the back end of the year. So uh, don't blame them for, you know, catching a good environment in Athens and, you know, walking around a game day there and, and catching some football, whether they're filming or not. But um, it's, uh, you know, with all of that, I mean, it's definitely, you know, we all know Harbaugh is a slimy dude, right? And, you know, I, he's going to, He's going to stretch, you know, um, everything out, you know, that, that he can do within the rules of the NCAA, maybe slightly bend those rules a little bit. He's definitely been known to, you know, knock on, you know, 17-year-old kids' doors, you know, um, at 12.01 a.m. or whatever it may be, you know, whenever he can officially start um, doing in-home visits and, you know, being all weird like that. So um doesn't surprise me that, that you know, he's probably behind some of this uh, – sketchy. I mean, I don't, I mean, it doesn't really bother me that much, you know, like if you know the call, I mean, I get it. It, you know, if say someone, if you know for sure they're running pass and they're doing play action, you have to do, you don't have to give anything to, to the run. Right. And so it does make somewhat of a difference, but uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he had scouted the dogs uh, prior to the orange bowl in Miami and didn't really, didn't really matter. Um, so um but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Michigan's a talented team. Um, they've got great running back, great defense, good offensive line. Um, and, and their coach is trying to get every advantage that he can um, through any means necessary. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of a crazy situation. Um, you know, who, who knows how it's all going to shake out. Um, I personally think Harbaugh, you know, bounces to the league at some point and, He's going to, you know, the, the argument by the university is going to be, well, you can't punish the players that, that are here, right? And so um, that's kind of how I see it happen. It's kind of going to be end up being a bunch of nothing. That's usually how stuff shakes out with the, the NCAA. But I don't know. I kind of want to hear your take. Uh, I feel like you have, a, have an opinion on that from, from how you kind of introduced the, the subject. Yeah, Kyler, I, I definitely have an opinion. Uh, as I've talked about on this show, I think – I feel like college football is a microcosm for everything that happens in this country. And I think this in particular scandal is such a microcosm of just everything else that's going down. And what I mean by that is like, if you look at politics, everybody like always makes, Oh, these people are corrupt or these other people are corrupt. And you know, whether it's Democrats, whether it's Republicans, everybody says that everybody's corrupt. The truth of the matter is, is that most everybody is corrupt on some level. And I think that people forget that power is like the original drug and the most effective drug. And like power has, is 
is is the like dr- is the drug of choice for everyone. Okay, I, I and and what I mean by that is just look at it. It power is what breeds corruption, and especially, and that goes for everything across the board. And um, that especially happens when you get a little bit of power. And, but you want that more, you know, you want, you want a little taste of more. It's like, I feel like for the people that have no power, like they haven't had a taste. It's very, that's why I say it's very much like a drug. Um, it's the original drug in my opinion. Uh, and so you're, you may be asking Kyler, like, how the hell does this relate to college football? Well, it relates to college football because I will say like Georgia fans, you better not be saying too much because it would not shock me if it comes out that we are running a similar program or that 20 schools are running a similar program. Like, A, yeah, Harbaugh's sketchy, and B, to your point, like, it definitely, like, he's already had a long litany and list of um, certain things that he's done that have skirted the rules in some ways, like a bill Belichick, where it's like, he's taking anything he can do to get a competitive advantage. And sometimes that line is crossed and maybe he doesn't think he's crossing the line, but, um, but the line was crossed either way. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you can like that style or you can't like that style, but I will say like, I think a lot of programs are doing a lot of sophisticated things to try to figure out what the other program is doing uh, or the other teams around the league are doing. And it's just really rich when it's like clearly the NCAA has a bone to pick with Michigan. So, oh, so convenient that they're the ones now that are being investigated against. Uh, And then on top of that, yeah, just now like it's ammunition for every other fan base. But I just will say like, just, you know, be careful, be careful the type of trash that you're talking, because I really don't think it's a that big of a deal. And I think a lot of different schools do it now. I mean, on some level, I would be surprised if we ran as sophisticated of a thing. I don't think we need to do that, but, but maybe I'm wrong, but I, yeah, I really believe that overall, it's just like this overblown story. And it has like these various different components to it the guy seems to be pretty manic like a very type a personality that like stallions guy or whatever having a manifesto and stuff like there's just so many components of the story that make it so awesome to be put on a page and for people to follow along and write about it and i get why it's carrying traction but i feel like if you are a smart college football fan you know that this story is a nothing burger that's I think and that's in the end. And I think that that's where it relates to a lot of other political things and things like that. It's like, you know, everybody on the political side is corrupt. You know that these stories just get carried because like of, you know, they have the certain like hashtag phrases or whatever. But in the end, it's just bullshit. So, I mean, that's what I feel about it. And that's all like and and so I don't want to talk about it anymore. But like I'll allow you to like follow up. But I'm saying I don't want to like follow this story week by week because honestly, I just don't give a shit. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that Michigan can freaking steal all our signs. We will still freaking ram it down their throat. My brother asked me yesterday. He was like, what do you think? And circled, oh, Georgia's been played five times. What do you think? I said, bring it the fuck on. We're ready to play them. Like any day we will play Michigan and we will whoop that ass and we'll just line it back up. Let's do it again. Like, and, and quite frankly, if you are a Georgia fan, 
Like that is, that's the only impression you can have. We're on a 24 game winning streak. And like, I don't know, it's fun for me to have that like confidence in shit talking. Uh, and, and for any other fan, I'm like, how, it, like, how can you not come into games feeling like this and just, and just riding this wave while you can? <laughs> We're not going to be able to do this. At one point in time, that streak is going to end and it may be sooner than later. So just live in that freaking moment. And that freaking moment is like anywhere, anytime, we'll beat that ass. Hey, you heard it here first. Yeah, dogs are prepared no matter what. Um, but yeah, I, you know, th- this is getting a lot of traction. It, it's 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 Michigan, right? Uh, they're the number one team in the country. Uh, they got this history of, you know, uh, sketchy dealings, right? They, you know, they regular season last year. Um, 11 and one, you know, uh, in the regular season, they're undefeated so far this year, just, you know, the, the, the team that everybody's talking about. And then this comes out, you know, obviously we're going to plaster this on, on, on the, you know, headlines of everything that we can, it's, it's going to get clicks, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's apparently it's been going on and it hadn't helped them win a natty yet. So, um, it's still not a concern for me, um, and, and what they're doing, you know, them stealing signs, uh, and that's, you know, in game, I feel like coaches are trying to figure out the signs of other teams. Right. And, and you know, maybe they're not hiring people to go sit in seats and, and pull out their smartphones and, and record everything. But that's part of the game. Um, trying to get any advantage that you can to win. Winning is is a drug, too, like uh, like power. It's money, you know, uh, and that's what all these these programs are chasing. And. Um, you know, for better or for worse, that that's that's the scenario that we're in. Um, but but no, um, you know, I, that's all. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's let's move on. You know, um, and unless some other news, you know, crazy breaks out that they're you know not eligible for a bowl um, or something in, in in that regard. Yeah, it's just uh, it's garbage content for um, for the plebs to, to you know guzzle up, so to speak. And Kyler. Just as you're saying this, I'm reading up on ESPN and FBI probe into ex-Michigan assistant coach. The immediate thing you're thinking is this is related to that that scandal and the taping. But there was a scandal, if you remember right, of like uh, assistant coach. He was co-offensive coordinator, actually, I think, at Michigan of like sending an email to a um, or acting as like basically fraudulently acting as somebody who he was not or trying to do something. And it was like a very, I, I forget all the points of the story. Not even catfish. Yes. But I, I don't even remember, but I feel like if, if I remember right, it was a very, very unforced error. Like he easily, it was not something where he was like really trying to like cheat the system. It just, there was a moment of a lapse of judgment. Anyways, he accessed the computer he shouldn't. Well, the FBI is involved, but that's a totally different story. But ESPN now is running that. And the first thing they know that people are going to click, clicks get advertising. Advertising is money. It's just like, but it's all bullshit. It's just bullshit. And so I would just say, if you are a football fan and a college football fan, just ignore it. Who cares? And watch ball, you know, just watch ball. You know, don't, don't get too much into the, you know, ins and outs of the politics of, of football, you know, that's only gonna, gonna hurt your brain, not gonna make you any smarter, not gonna make you any happier. Um, you know, just be in the moment, watch the ball for what it is, and enjoy. Exactly. Well, 
speaking of that, Kyler, I do want to get back to the first point you made, which is parity. And, and, you know, going back two weeks, I do think that we have some front runners who have kind of established themselves. Um, Florida State had a big win over Duke and just continues to roll. And with North Carolina being upset, it's, you know, they are, and also speaking of which Louisville getting upset too, um, they've really kind of put themselves above everyone in the ACC. And then in the Pac-12, we had a an epic battle, Washington, Oregon, and you mentioned, I mean, Washington then coming off that game, almost losing to Arizona State. So who knows? But it really does feel like we're going to see those two teams again. Uh, I believe they're playing in Las Vegas this year for the Pac-12 championship. And I don't know. Those, those two teams are legit. That game brought it. Um, and and then, yeah. But with that said, with that said about like emerging teams – I also don't think we've learned, like, I don't think teams have evolved in a way that your teams are head and shoulders above. If anything, there are like average teams who have kind of risen up from the ashes. Pitt is a good example who played awful for a few weeks, um, got a huge win over Louisville, has looked better the last few weeks. Still, I mean, they're two and five. They're not great, but has just shown some fight. Uh, Virginia, obviously, beating North Carolina the weeks, a couple weeks prior, got better and were looking to be, like, improving, I guess, as a team. Um, You look at Oklahoma, who had that big win over Texas, then, obviously, this past weekend, like, is in a nail-biter, almost loses to UCF. Uh, So, I say all that just to say that if anything, it looks like the like mid-level teams are rising up rather than top tier teams moving away from any, like moving away from each other. Um, We know that Oregon and Washington are really good, but still like both have been shown the ability to be in games late uh, that they shouldn't necessarily be in. So uh, we're going to have to see Kyler. We really are. Um, I don't know. Is there any team that has stuck out to you that you're like, wow, they've really impressed over these last couple of weeks? But yeah, I do have, uh, you know, a couple of teams that have kind of stuck out to me. Um, and it's not like necessarily, uh, you know, one of them, you know, might be surprising to some people, but, um, you know, like I, I finally have taken some time to watch, you know, teams like Air Force and, and James Madison. And, you know, I, it's tough to get a, get a get a gauge for these teams just because of the level of competition that they're playing for the most part, right? You want to see them on the field with the you know a powerhouse power five team, and you don't really get that every single time. Um, and then you know, out of the big schools that I've been looking at, uh, Alabama, you know, I think has really started to to come on. I know it was close with Tennessee for a while. I, I'm not of the opinion that that Tennessee is necessarily a bad team, but. Um, you know, Alabama's starting to, you know, really uh, yeah, get it going in the run game, which is kind of what they wanted to do in the beginning of the year. Uh, Jason McClellan's really starting to, to, to take off there. Um, I do feel like, uh, yeah, the quarterback is getting a little bit better um, every single week. I do like his attitude. I think he's a great leader. So he's got kind of some of those intangibles that you want to see in your starting quarterback. Um, so, so they're starting to impress me a little bit more. Um, but, you know, th- once again, just everybody's still just got got these weaknesses that that are, um, you know, 
that many teams could take advantage of. And so I just think that this is, gosh, I wish we had a 12 team playoff this, this year, this would have been the absolute best year for, you know, having a, a, a football playoff like that. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, just teams like that, but I mean, like even like Florida state, you know, I, I felt like they, uh, you know, if Riley Leonard doesn't go down in that game, I mean, it's, it's a different outcome to that game. He goes out there up 20 to 17, um, Backup quarterback kind of yeah screws the pooch there a little bit. Um, it's 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 tough to see, but um, you know I, I forgot to mention um, you know we had kind of written off old Oklahoma State there for a little bit, but uh, we're starting to see them turn some things around, get some big W's. Um, so interesting to see you know how they close out the year. Um, we, we were talking before the podcast. Sounds like they've got a pretty good quarterback now that. Yeah, I think that the guy that they started at the beginning of the season just yeah, it didn't really work out for that guy. And so um, they, they put in somebody else, and, and that seemed to be the spark that they needed to, um, you know, ignite this uh, this Oklahoma State team. Yeah, no, and that, that honestly was a team I was thinking about, Kyler, and really the team that came top of mind when talking about a team that – kind of started the year very uncertain and then all of a sudden has turned it on. And I think there are quite a few teams like that as Oklahoma state though, um, I think is one of the best, you know, the best examples. And as well, you know, there are teams like a West Virginia who obviously started really hot and now kind of are falling a little bit back to earth um, and, you know, had some breaks in their, in their, uh, for them and then against Houston um, at a break in that opposite direction. That was a wild into a game a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, it's it's a parody. Uh, you said it best, and I think I totally agree. It's, it's the season of parody, and I really wish we had um, 12 teams. Yeah, and, that, you know, I think a lot of this can be chalked up to, you know, there being less – you know, practice time, they're limited to the number of practices. And so, you know, the teams that have guys that are experienced, they're able to put out a better product towards the beginning of the season. Uh, these kids continue to get coached up on, on some of these teams that, that have uh, a younger DNA, and they're able to, uh, you know, improve week after week. And then, you know, they you know, clash with a opponent like UCF, meaning – Oklahoma and almost being able to knock them off. You know, that's, I think that's, you know, a lot to do um, with kind of what we're seeing here is the development of, of these teams after, you know, not having, you know, a ton of practices together because there's so much uh, movement amongst rosters now, obviously with the transfer portal that you're, you're having new DNA there. So, now, that's kind of my, my thoughts on on kind of you know why why we're experiencing this sort of parity. But yeah, what are your thoughts, man? Well, you kind of hinted at it. I think it's the new DNA part. It's the transfer portal, and I think people were talking about NIL. And I, I will say, you can go back and although we archive some, I'll pull out the archives if you want to hear it. I talked about the transfer portal and NIL being a good thing, and how I thought it was going to lead to more parity and. I have to say that I think my prophecy and how I was seeing it is correct and it's panning out. And then you just think about Georgia and Kyler, you know, better than me, but we both see it like, and when we were together, you pointed out to me because you know, rosters so well, you're like, Oh, that's 
such and such who played for Georgia a season or two seasons. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize he was there. And I mean, it littered all over the college football landscape. I mean, Georgia has probably players at 14, 15 different schools, and a lot of them are starting. And some of those are smaller, you know, non-Power 5 conference teams. But in the end, it, I think people put such a premium on the money. And yes, that does matter about getting the top tier guys. But let's be frank and let's be honest. I mean, Georgia spent $80 million on this elite practice facility. Uh, and, you know, those things have always brought elite talent there. So NIL hasn't changed that. And I don't think it's going to truly like change it that much i think there could be you know you see a thing where like the scales tip in a certain direction with like texas a&m on a season they splash a bunch of money but like oftentimes that doesn't that's not going to necessarily pan out and in the end what do players want to do they want to win first and foremost um but then they also want playing time and so the transfer portal has allowed a lot of guys who have not been able to crack lineups in certain teams, go out and have a second shot at that. And I think that's that's huge on why we're seeing what we're seeing because how many of these great quarterbacks didn't start at the you know university that they're playing at now? And in fact, I feel like more often than not, you have like graduate transfers on a lot of the elite teams in college football. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, Carson Beck, it used to be like the norm, you know, you'd have a guy sit for a few seasons and then play Carson Beck's like a unicorn, a guy who is like a redshirt junior. Who's now like, who's just now starting, who also was a five-star and easily could have left early to go start somewhere else, but instead waited his turn. Like that is, that's why, I mean, and, and I think to your point, then the less practices also lead into it, all that stuff. And it's, um, yeah. And there's, there's also the expectations and the pressure of coaches. So you have these guys who feel like there's a lot more parity in the coaching game too. So, you know, the coaching carousel changes and that, that, that creates insanity too. So it's just all these things kind of lead into it, but in some ways it's a bummer because we're getting consolidation and we don't know how that's going to look. And honestly, next year, we may understand how bad it is, but I will say with NIL, with the transfer portal, like if we get this type of crazy insanity week after week after week, I'm here for it. You know, like let it rip. This is awesome. This is why, this is why you watch college football. At least me, I like the insanity. But yeah, I'm, I'm here for the insanity, ready to, you know, rock and roll the rest of this year. Um, just, you know, I, I love it, you know, and just I feel like it really has helped level the playing field more so than it has, you know, empower the the big dogs, right? Um, you know, if you're able to go get um, a guy who's hungry, who wants to eat, but he's, you know, sitting behind, a, you know, a junior, a senior, right? And his, he's not going to be able to play for another couple of years. Go ahead and snag that guy. He might be more talented than the other guy. So um, it's just, it's awesome. I, I love it. I love that they're able to freely transfer and, and contribute and, and make the most of their, you know, four years on a campus, but it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, I do appreciate a guy like Carson back, right. Sticking it out, um, going and, and doing, you know, waiting until year four to, to pop into a starting role. Um, so it's just kudos to him and his, you know, being able to put up the blinders, not, not listen to the noise and chatter of, oh, you should go here. You should go there. 
uh, but focusing on, on perfecting his craft, right? So you know, there, there's positives and negatives of it, but I think it is case by case, whether it's a, a good thing or, or a bad thing for, for each individual player. No doubt, no doubt. Um, and I, I don't know. I think in the end it gives more opportunity, though, and that's that's what we – that's what we should be wanting is that like everybody gets an opportunity and a crack. And I think overall, I think you have to look at it as a net positive because more people are having opportunities. And yes, there's not going to be like a, every a one size fits all. It's not going to be good for everyone. But I think when you look at the, in the end, both the results that we're seeing on the field and also you know, what's happening um, just with like individuals and guys who, as I say, go back to Georgia, look at how many players probably were never going to start at Georgia and have had time to get meaningful snaps in a division one, you know, for different schools. And that's awesome. That's great. And I don't think, um, you know, if this provides that, I think that alone makes it awesome in a huge net positive um, because also those are the same guys, quite frankly, a lot of those guys probably aren't going to be playing on Sunday. So, um, yeah, like, I, I don't know, like if I was up in their position, I'd be like, screw you. You're going to make me like be a third string player at Georgia when I can go start for FIU or for, you know, Texas state or whatever it may be. It's like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like to your point, there are some guys that would prefer, like they just love Georgia so much. And maybe I would be that guy that's like, I'm going to be a third stringer. But also like, I also totally get that like temptation and want to be like, I want to go play and start for a team that can win a conference championship. I want to play more than just a special team snap. So I don't know. I think that alone makes it, makes it positive. But Kyler, there is one team that I would like to mention that has impressed me. And they're a team that we're going to be seeing, not this weekend, but next weekend, the Missouri Tigers. They look like they're really coming into their own. And that's a team that I will say, I think that might be the game of the year. Um, I, like I say, maybe I'm looking ahead, but it feels like Missouri is a uh, is a real contender. Luther Burden is the absolute truth. And yeah, they've they've whooped up on both um, Kentucky and South Carolina. And yes, those teams, we kind of whooped up on them. Maybe not necessarily South Carolina as much, but I don't know. This this team is legit. This team is real. Yeah, I mean, Missouri, I, I think that this is the team, you know, over anybody else that's been there for a while that's got the most potential. To, to go out and, and kind of be that second fiddle to Georgia, you know, maybe be the team that, you know, one day, um, you know, eclipses the dogs. I don't know. I hope not. I hope never. But um, the reality is, uh, you know, everything in life is cyclical. Things end. And so, um, but, yeah, they, they've got a great offense. They have um, Theo Weiss, excellent transfer from uh, Oklahoma University. Um, Mookie Cooper uh, having, having a great year as well. Um you mentioned Luther Burden, the guy that we recruited heavily, um, high school teammates with uh, with our own Dominic Lovett and Brady Cook. He, he's been out there uh, yeah, tossing the tater, um, distributing the ball very well. Cody Schrader um, at running back has done a yeah, terrific job this year. Um, and so, I mean, and, and they've always been able to recruit really well. I think that, that St. Louis area, uh, you know, does – 
does bring a lot of uh, yeah, talent to Missouri. Um, I'm not sure how far apart Columbia and, and St. Louis are, but um, they seem to do a really good job within their state. Although I did see that Ryan Wingo uh, you know, recruit for 2024. Um, everybody kind of thought that uh, you know we had a decent shot with him, but everybody was more thinking it was going to be Missouri. Um, it was because he's from St. Louis and he ended up committing to Texas. So that, that was uh, I know that was a tough loss for them, but you know they're pulling guys like Williams and Moneri and. Um, He's the, the top prospect in the state of Missouri. So they do a pretty good job there with uh, putting a fence around their state. And, you know, as you kind of build up to that elite level of Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, it is super important to, to be able to build that fence around your state, keep the talent that you have there, especially when you're in a state like Missouri that has uh, you know, big cities like uh, like St. Louis, and, and I think Kansas City might be part of Missouri as well. I might be making that up, but but uh, but yeah, I mean, so they've, they've done a good job there recruiting um, in, in their territory, and, you know, as they continue to get better, you know, you're going to see them start to plug more and more guys, um, you know, away from us and, and the other powerhouses of college football. No doubt. Um, they've done a good job on the recruiting trail. They've done a good job in the transfer portal. And Drinkowitz is a good coach. And you have that combination. And to your point, Missouri is a pretty talent-rich state, especially if you talk about, like, the Midwest. I think it's one of the most talent-rich states in the Midwest. So um, all that combined, I mean, you like there there is potential there. And I think that uh, you need a home base. I think that there's a lot of schools that just are in a tough position because they really don't have that many great recruits. So they have to start outside the state and then work, you know, and then kind of work back. That's not an easy way to go. So um, it's good that Missouri's in a pretty talent rich state. You put together the, and allows you to start putting together the pieces and then you build it from the outside. And, and then you get in a position like Georgia where it seems like, we honestly don't – I feel like do as – I feel like some we're not doing as good of a job, or maybe it's about the same job of protecting our in-state talent. But Kirby just goes out and gets guys then in California and places that we really – I mean, we might have gotten a guy every blue moon from some of these places. Texas, I mean, we're very much entrenched in Texas in a way that we definitely weren't when Rich was around. And I know, I mean, Stafford was from there. We had a few other guys, but certainly not to the level of, um, of now. And so, but, but it takes a long time to get there. And I think you do look and, and it starts with the in-state guys. And that's kind of, I feel like how we got to this level is by, by starting with building from in-state. So they're doing it the right way. And um, that's a matchup to look into, but, yeah, Kyler, let's go ahead. Let's move on to this week, and we'll talk about Georgia. We'll talk about Vanderbilt a little bit as well uh, as we lead into the Florida week. But first, uh, we're going to switch it up. You're going to give the betting six-pack first, and then I'll follow you up. I'll talk about some other games of intrigue, but lay it on on the listeners. Uh, it was not a good week the week before. We, we, need a, we need to turn it around. We're hemorrhaging. Uh, hopefully you aren't you aren't using us too much because because it's not looking good. Yeah, maybe go opposite of what we're doing. Uh, I think that might be the play now, but we're still going to give it to you. We're going to turn around halfway through the season, maybe a little over halfway. Um, we're we're going to get back to five hundred. 
that's that's the goal. Um, we're gonna we're gonna hit it. So uh, this this week, I got BYU covering the spread against Texas. Texas, as a lot of people know, um, in, in a in a close close game with Houston, lost their starting quarterback Quinn Ewers. Um, I think the kid's name is Malik Murphy's the backup who is who is not a slouch by any means. This guy was uh, I think he was committed to USC, was the top player in the state of California, five star, had all the accolades as well. Um, yeah, really big kid, great arm. Um, and so, I mean, I think he is going to be a terrific quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but this is his very first start. And for him to go out there and pull off a a 19 plus point victory seems seems like a, a tall task against a pretty good BYU team. So got Texas there um, for the uh, yeah to keep it in the Big 12 and the Red River Shootout. We're saying that Oklahoma is not going to cover nine against Kansas. So we're going with the Jayhawks there. Um, I, I feel like the Jayhawks uh, are, are a pretty good team, but it's more so for me. Oklahoma struggling last week with with a team like UCF. Uh, I feel like there's some good tape out there on, on how to limit what what Dylan Gabriel can do. Um, I think that nine points is, is a pretty good amount there. Um, so I'm gonna go go with uh, the Jayhawks uh, there, and then um, gonna move on to a team that actually lost last week. Um, UNC um, lost a heartbreaker to UVA, as we mentioned uh, at the top of the show, but. Uh, they got Georgia Tech, and I, I just still think that this is a really good UNC team, solid defense, one of the top quarterbacks in the entire country. Um, you know, didn't have his necessarily his best game last week, but um, you know, UVA hats off to them. I feel like they got it really going in the run game against UNC, but um, I feel like this is going to re-motivate these guys, right? I feel like you know a lot of great teams over the years. Um, you know, you look back to our 2021 championship, um, we had to experience that loss to get better, right? And so uh, I think that, that that was a kind of a slap in the face to tell the heels that it's time to get it together. I think they absolutely pounce the, the Yellow Jackets uh, this week, and that should always make a, make a Georgia fan happy when, when Tech is going down. And then we're moving it back to where young Matt Kerr went to high school. Uh, James Madison is taking on the country band Old Dominion this weekend. I'm pretty sure that's the name of a country band. If it's not, it should be, um, but not a good one, a bad country band. But they're they're going in. This team's undefeated. They're they are solid. You know they they made the move to to FBS. I don't know if it was one two years ago, but ever since then, um, dude, they they really didn't miss a beat. I mean. Just going through this season all undefeated and, you know, without any hopes of anything to play for um, at the end of the year, they still have, I don't, I don't know what it is in Harrisonburg. Maybe there's just not a lot to do, but focus on football if you're a football player. But for whatever reason, they are out there doing great things um, on the football field, to say the least. So I think they continue that and, and take down the old Dominion University and uh, you know, get a big W there. And then, Let's move it out west. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Colorado. Um, you know, classic battle of Colorado Springs versus Fort Collins. Air Force versus Colorado State. Um, I'm a big fan of of you know the uh, you know non Power Five teams um, coming in, being all undefeated, and and making a Cinderella type story. So 
got Air Force. They're they're, they're going to cover. Um, they're favored by 13. They're, they're going to beat that spread. Colorado State, not very impressed with them. I mean, I know they've got a new coach who I do like, and I think that the future is bright there at Colorado State. I think that uh, you know, that was a great hire by the athletic director there. Shout out David Firth to your uncle. And, yeah, to wrap up the six-pack, I'm going with uh, the Gundys of Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma State is favored by seven against a Cincinnati team that kind of started kind of hot, but they're kind of falling off now. So um, in Oklahoma State, as we know, are, is trending the right direction. I think it's a safe bet. I think that might be the safest bet of the weekend. If you're going to stack it on something, stack it on Stillwater, baby. And yeah, I mean, so tell me, tell me more about the other games that you had in mind. Do you have anything, you know, comments on, on any of the games that, that we selected for, for the six pack prior to the show? You know, Tyler, I think that most of our picks honestly reflect how we feel about college football and the parody, um, you know, talk about a team like Kansas. Uh, yes. Do we think that Oklahoma is probably going to win that game? Yes. But do we think it's going to be close? I think that's the thing. There are so many games this year that have just been close that you know you give it you're given a big point spread and you're like almost like let's just let's bet you know let's let's take let's take whatever points because we feel like it's going to be close no matter what um and so i think a lot of our picks kind of reflect that obviously our pick with the dogs that goes a little against that but um but we'll get into that uh when we talk the georgia game um as far as other games that kind of intrigue me you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, Tennessee's on the road at Kentucky. I think it's an interesting game because I don't know. I don't know how Tennessee's going to be when they get to us. Like Tennessee gets Kentucky and Missouri. UConn is smushed in there too. Uh, we know UConn's not a very good team. But, like, I, I think that Tennessee could beat the potential could potentially beat both Kentucky and Missouri and be like in a position to possibly at least, you know, make things interesting um, for our game. I also think that they could be a two game loser, you know, coming into our game. And so I don't know. I think that that um, games fascinates me because I don't know, there's like fork in the road games, if you will, uh, Duke Louisville. That's another game. Duke is on the road at Louisville. The last time we saw Louisville, they were losing to Pitt in pretty horrible fashion after they had such a big win, such a high over Notre Dame. Um, and so that's a game where you're like, ah, what? Like, and and you obviously then you have Duke, who is um, Riley Leonard is a he's a guy who is. Um, day to day. So we're going to have to see, he might be playing, he might not be playing, but what I do know is that, is that, yeah, I think that Duke, if they were healthy, could have easily maybe been undefeated um, to this point. I, I forget. I feel like Riley Leonard maybe went out of the last play against um, Notre Dame. So maybe I'm incorrect. They would have lost that game either way, but at least for um, the game that they had against Florida State, I think had he been fully healthy, maybe that game would have turned out differently. Who knows? Um, and then, you know, like the other game that I kind of look at that I'm like, uh-huh, uh, USC, California. And really, I'm just like, they USC on the road at California, like USC's lost their last two games. Like, do they get it right or do the wheels completely fall off? Because this game is also one where, 
You know, they they follow this game against Cal up with Washington, Oregon, UCLA. It's going to be a murderer's row after this. And I mean, how insane would it be if they somehow lose to Cal? Like you're you're looking at a six and six season. Straight up, you're looking at a six and six season for USC. That to me is is shocking. Shocking. But um, but is, you know, once again, a fork in the road type of game. Um, and so I don't know. I'm sure I'm missing one or two. Um, Colorado UCLA is, is an interesting game just with everything going on with, um, you know, with Colorado. So I, I don't know. And then and then I would also say Oregon, Arizona, Oregon State, Arizona, uh, another great game. You know, that that to me is uh you know, it's a it's a late night game, and Arizona's been in some wild late night games. They're like it's wild, it's wildcat late night. Like I, I don't know. There's a way that we could shoehorn that in better, but I haven't really thought about it. But yeah, those are the games I'm looking forward to to watching. Though um, I think the three thirty stack is is probably the most stacked uh, area, if I had to say. Um, and and I honestly totally missed and blanked on the biggest game of the week and not named Georgia. And that's Oregon, Utah, Kyler. Uh, and how could I forget? Um, but, but I also think that this feels like a game with Cam rising being out. I don't know. I think Oregon really does rise to the occasion and Oregon, if Oregon wins that game and, and I expect them to win it kind of running away, I believe that it really does set up a very good opportunity for Oregon to run the table, get Washington again at a neutral site, and possibly be a team, you know, be like the Alabama when, uh, you know, when they lost and then end up in the playoff, uh, you know, avenge a loss in, in the conference championship and end up in the playoff like that, um, you know, or Georgia, if you will, against Auburn when, you know, we lost and then got another shot against them a few weeks later. Yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of pull up what we did a couple of weeks ago, um, looking at the teams and, and, you know, the remaining opponents on the schedules, you know, see how we think things are going to play out after this week. You know, I think that's um, a team that, you know, I, I, I think Oregon is a really good team. They went into a very hostile um, environment in Seattle for the, for the Washington game and ended up uh, coming up a little bit short. But, you know, you know I know that this Dan Lanning guy, um, he, he he's going to keep his players motivated if they are zero and eleven going into uh, the Oregon Oregon State game. They're going to show up with fire and passion. Um, that's just the kind of guy that he is. Um, I, I love watching him. You know, motivate his team. He, he he gets me ready to to run through a wall. So um, hats off to Dan Landing. Love love that guy. And yeah, I I really I really do want to have. Uh, USC in California on the other TV during our game. Um, I don't know what it is about me. I love these. Uh, I love these douchebag coaches uh, and seeing them fail. Um, and so, you know, people who are, who are loyal listeners have probably heard me uh, mention Jimbo Fisher. You know, I, I get a lot of joy out of watching that guy be bad um you know uh, you can you can throw in jim harbaugh he, he hasn't been there it's not the same kind of story but lincoln lincoln riley 
he might be my new scapegoat um, for, you know, someone to rag on that has all the talent in the world that just can't put it together. I mean, what are they doing down there in Southern California? They're, they're not tackling in practice like ever. There's, there's not a bloody Tuesday. It's, it's manicure Tuesdays over there in Southern California for these boys. I mean, they, they're, they're getting all, you know, primped up and, and, you know, worried about their Instagrams and, you know, these boys are you know down South just knocking heads, you know, um, injuring each other on Tuesdays, like it's nothing. Right. And that prepares us for these games. Our our games, we are we overwhelm our opponents because of the physicality that we experience week to week. But down there in L.A., in Tinseltown, they're I mean, there's just pillow fights and, and, and patty cakes all day long. So I think there's a culture problem down there. I think it is very important for uh, USC and the university get rid of this guy um, at some point. You can't do it now because he's recruiting at a ridiculous level of their offense. Um, yeah, usually turns out you know, a pretty good product on the field. But this defense, I mean, it, something definitely has to change on that front. I mean, this is it's pitiful um, the product they're putting on the field week in, week out when they are, you know, the you know, you could argue that they're not. But I think that they're, you know, probably the most desirable place to go in, in California as a football player to, to play football. There's a lot of tradition um, there and, and, and all that tradition is, is definitely being, being forgotten. And um, you know, I, I, I want to get my popcorn ready. I don't I want to be there and watching um, the, the demise uh, of, of the Trojans. Um, that's just kind of, I don't know what it is about me. I, I get a lot of joy uh, out of, out of uh, this, um, you know, disarray of a, of a program, six and six, six and six with Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner. That's a joke. That is a joke. And he's got ridiculous talent around him. Great running back, two good running backs, receivers, you know, galore. Come on, come on. But yeah, yeah, I, I probably won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you're going to put it on the other screen, Kyler. Uh, this is the one thing I'll say. Se- they, they're favored in this game this weekend. So, I mean, seven and five is more likely, but I did just go and pull up the preseason rankings, and they were the highest preseason ranked um, team in a loaded Pac 12. And so, I mean, the truth is that, like, their schedule's not easy, but man, a seven and five season, and, and it's like, I've seen other statistics and it's like you fire guys and then you look at where their, you know, their successors are at, at this time, he's in the same place that Clay Helton was. And in fact, I think he has a worse record against top 25 teams at this point. And you also look and you can like linear it back to his time at Oklahoma. And it's like, this is him. You're going to get a dynamic offense. They are going to be fun to watch but they are just going to hemorrhage points. And I, I don't see how you I – mean, you've got to change on defense. You have to have – like you can win a title with an RA defense. You can't win a title with a bad defense. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. And I think that that's what you're going to see. And then you get years like this where, I, yeah, I mean, you hire this guy, you spend all this money, and – I don't know. I just I don't see how as a USC fan you can't be really pissed right now at what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean it's it's you're starting to see it affect the offense too. Um, you're starting to see Caleb Williams going out there 
Um, even though he's always kind of got that personality as a quarterback to go out and, and kind of do the impossible out there. But uh, I think that, that he really needs to reel it in. Um, I feel like he's out there trying to do too much for his team. He feels like if he doesn't score every drive that there's no way to win the game. And so um, he's out there, you know, doing more than, than what I think that he should. And so, um, you know, Got to get, you got to get a new defense uh, if coordinator because I feel like there is talent on that defense too. You know, they got Bear Alexander out there. Um, you know, they've got you know a ton of Polynesian players out there popping pads, but just the you know, the gelling of this unit, you know, it, it's just not there. The, the tack the missed tackles are, are just atrocious. So um, yeah, something's got to change um, there in Southern California if they want to be you know a formidable opponent in the future. But I feel like Alex Grinch and him, he's just like that's his boy. I don't know, like he doesn't seem like too much like he wants to fire him, and I feel like that might be you know that might be his demise. You think he likes him like maybe more than a friend or? <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't be don't be putting words in my mouth. No, I'm saying that's just like his homie. <laughs> it's his homie, dude. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. They're like they're like podcasting partners. I got buddies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's all you know. Anyways, um, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 not good there. Uh, I don't know. Are there any other games that you want to talk about or? any games that like kind of uh, spark your interest. I mean, the other game that's fascinating at night is, is Wisconsin hosting Ohio state, obviously, you know, had a very disappointing game against Iowa, but Hey, we do know that, that they've got a hell of a coach and the bottom line is camp Randall at night. It's going to be really cold. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Right, yeah, maybe maybe some broken fingers for receivers out there, and, and the frigid Camp Randall weather out there. Um, that's definitely a game I, I've always wanted to attend. Um, is 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 a night game there, at Camp Randall? I feel like you know the jump arounds, you know, get everybody all hyped. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, that seems like a pretty good venue, and so hopefully um, Ohio State rolls in there and. Uh, Luke Fickle just completely shuts down this offense that hasn't been great this year. You know, I mean, 20 points against Penn State. I mean, Penn State's a good defense, but, you know, Wisconsin's a very well-coached team. Uh, it's just not completely out of the, you know, realm of possibility that uh, they pull out a victory here. So, yeah, def- definitely keep eyes uh, on what's going on in Madison, Wisconsin, um, Saturday night. All right, Casey. I think we've said what we've wanted to say about the other games, unless we're missing something. You ready to talk dogs? Let's do it, man. Oh, let's do it. All right, Georgia Bulldogs coming in 7-0. and The last we spoke was before the Vanderbilt game, had a very decisive win against the Commodores and what really honestly was like a de facto home game almost for the dogs. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, 37-20, uh, solid game. Vanderbilt scored 13 points in the fourth, so I think the game on some level a little deceptive too, but, uh, you know, pretty controlling win for the Georgia Bulldogs. But, Kyler, really the big news, more importantly, from that Vanderbilt game, All-American leader, tight end in receptions and in yards at the time of injury, Brock Bowers, getting tightrope surgery. He's going to be out for a few weeks. I mean, we might not see him until the SEC championship game. 
it's a possibility we could see him a little bit before it's typically like six, four to six week recovery. So we'll have to see, but um, yeah, it's um, probably good that if it had to happen, it happened at the bye because obviously it means that he's got an extra week to recover, but it also means that we have a week to really scheme around, Hey, not having our best player because I don't know how much of the offense went through them, but like 30, 40, 50%. I mean, some games, it's certainly upwards of that. I will say Carson Beck spreads the ball out. And Kyler, this is one thing that I'll say is like one of the most interesting stats that Georgia, that I feel like we talk about Georgia's offense being great. Um, and we've said it once, we've said it a million times to say like they're they're better than people are giving us credit for, but I still feel like a lot of times it's not, it's still not being talked about the way it should. And I just want to say this, Oregon Ducks are the number one offense in the country, 553 yards a game. LSU Tigers are number two offense in the country, 552.9. So they're both those offenses up on people a little bit, 509.4 yards per game. Is it the Washington Huskies, Kyler? No. Is it the North Carolina Tar Heels in that freaking dynamic offense? I, I don't think it's them. Texas and that Quinn Ewers in that attack. Got to be Texas, right? It's definitely not. And, you know, obviously USC, of course, right? Ah, man. No, it's the Georgia Bulldogs. It is the Georgia Bulldogs. We are number three in total offense. And so – that's where it's just like, guys, like th- we don't just have a good offense. We've got a great offense. And especially with Kendall Milton getting healthy. I've talked about it early. Like, man, he needed to be benched. But fortunately, he did finally get healthy. And, um, you know, I will say he had that knee brace on. But I think that that's just like part of his coming back and rehabbing from his injury. It, it has like pain and soreness because, man, if our run game is operating, especially that's, that's, I think the important part to all this injury and stuff is that I feel like our offense, yes, Brock Bowers gets a hundred yards a game, but we still have a 400 yards that we were averaging without Brock Bowers. And so I just feel like we're better than people give us credit for. We can absorb this blow. And now that we have a week to scheme, Carson Beck is going to just, you know, he's going to distribute the ball to to other people and we'll make up for Brock's loss with other people emerging. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think that's, that's the biggest thing as we move into this next part though of the season is just like realize we have one of the best offenses in the country and realize that Brock Bowers is a big part of it. But I think the biggest part is Carson Beck. Yeah. I think people are going to be absolutely blown away with just how good this offense is still without Brock Bowers. Yes. Brock Bowers, you know, 35, 40%, whatever of our production. Uh, I don't care if he's on your team, you're going to go to him 35 to 40% of the time because he's that good. Right. But we've got other talent. Um, you saw the numbers for, for Dominic Lovett last week, you know, took over kind of, I think we're going to use him in a lot of the same ways that we used Brock Bowers before to get, you know, scheme him open. I mean, I think I read a stat that maybe it was 60% or something like that of, of Brock Bowers receptions 
were technically deemed wide open. How are you able to to scheme open a guy like Brock Bowers, who every single opponent knows is going to be our go-to guy? Did you not watch the Auburn game? Yeah, we, we, we like going to him. We're still able to scheme him wide open. You think we can't do that with guys that are faster than him? You know, I, yeah, people are just not giving this offense enough credit. I'm sick and tired of the redneck Georgia fans out there that just, you know, well, yeah, stats and this, stats and that. This guy just checks down to the to the receiver, you know. Like I, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I'm super, super over it, right? And and uh, Mike, Mike Bobo doesn't get enough kudos out there. I mean, I was just on the board last night doing some scrolling and just some people cannot let it go. Um, yeah, these arguments, we haven't played an elite defense, this and that. We're the number three overall total offense. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't care who you're playing. You're putting up numbers like that. Like, it's not easy to do. Um, and, and we're doing it week in and week out. Um, you know, and, and so – I'm excited to see, you know, some other guys get involved. Um, I think that is it's important for the development of the team um, to, to say, hey, you know, who, who else is out there ready to step up and be in the spotlight like Brock? And I think we got guys ready to step up to the plate and do that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the two transfers are who I'm kind of looking to this weekend to, to step up in the receiving game. Um, I, I'm not sure about the health of, of old Kendall Milton right now. I think that he – might have re-aggravated something against Vanderbilt because he kind of – his carries got cut, um, I think, in the second quarter maybe. But um, but we're also – you know, he's going out, but we're trading him in for another California running back from San Diego, California, where you were last week. So um, there's got to be something to it. So, uh, But, yeah, Roderick Robinson coming in, 240-pound, um, 18-year-old boy. Are you kidding me? I'm so excited to see him toe the rock, and hopefully he gets a little bit of confidence uh, going um, after this game. Um, you know, Dajan Edwards, um, Mr. Consistency this year, has really shown up in a big way, had a big game against Vanderbilt uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so, so offense, I – I'm seriously not worried about them. I am not worried about them. I mean, scheming open Brock Bowers as much as we have this year, you would think that would be a tough task. Doesn't look like it's too tough for, for Mike Bobo. Uh, so, yeah, folks, don't don't worry about the offense. Um, defensive side of the ball, that, that's that's where we need need to need to put a little bit more focus. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, – you know, I was still impressed with our defense last week. But, you know, um, miscommunications um, was kind of what, what led to, um, you know, that really long reception on, on the first drive of the game when Vanderbilt took the lead. You know, Tyke, it might have been uh, – I can't remember if it was Kamari. They, they, you know, I believe it was Tyke was supposed to, you know, come in and um, take the guy who, who had the inside route. They, had their, you know, they were stacked, and so one guy needed to take the inside route. No one did wide open, sifted up the rest of the way um, down the field. But uh, I did see, you know, a guy like that makes a play like that, but then comes back and makes an interception for us. So, um, you know, I, I, I still think that he's he's one of the best, but it was a miscommunication out there. But that guy's tough as nails. He, he can support the run. Um, he's good in coverage. 
Um, you know, he's just got to gotta clean up that kind of stuff and be clear on, on his responsibilities um, in coverage. And I think that he's going to be just fine. Um, I did want to point out, I, I was looking at the snap count um, uh, of the Vanderbilt game. And, you know, I had I'd been making some notes, uh, you know, about who kind of stood out to me throughout the game. Um, when I went back to rewatch the tape and, you know, the, the guy on the defense that I had the, you know, maybe the second or third most times written down was a guy named Kristen Miller. All right. Kristen Miller did not play that many snaps. So the percentage of plays that he was in there just wreaking havoc. I love that word havoc. That's such a great Kirbyism. He probably didn't invent it, but, but he's made it tight in my world. Um, anyway, Kristen Miller's out there, like, playing with, with a fire lit up under him. And so um, you're starting to see some guys that, that, are, that are stepping up to the plate. Do you think that next week that we don't get to see more of that guy? I think we see a lot more of Kristen Miller. Um, you know, percentage of plays that, that were extremely effective, maybe, maybe, maybe he's got asthma. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. But, but yeah, I mean, we got to get him out there more. I'm excited to see him. Um, I saw Kirby talking about Damon Wilson last week. I noticed that he got in, um, you know, a lot more than, than he has in past games, more than a lot of these other freshmen. And he, he was saying that, that Damon Wilson's out there on the scout team, you know, knocking heads, playing really hard ball. And so he rewarded him in the Vanderbilt game um, for his hard work on the scout team and, you know, put him in there. And, uh, you know, I think a guy like that, uh, you know, two weeks, off and he keeps to show showing that kind of level of effort uh you're gonna see more of him too and some other guys you know kind of come into their own i mean the bye week could not have come at at a better time and yeah i think kirby said something like i've never had a bye week come at the wrong time or something like that but but i totally agree i think that we're coming back uh next week strong as ever against these florida gators all right well let's talk about this game then kyler a little bit um you know florida is a team that I feel like I kind of like USC were building a doom and gloom. Truthfully, I think USC is probably going to go eight and four this year. I think they will win one of the games against the ranked teams. I just don't know which one, but I mean, there also is a reality that where they go six and six on that same note, I talked about Florida and I'm like, you just never know. And on some level we have seen that with them uh, that, you know, and this was after the Utah game. I'm like, they could go two and 10. We talked about it because you were saying Charlotte's, you know, not bad. And sure enough, I mean, that Charlotte game, like, was, I don't know, 22-10, I think. Uh, so it was not, you know, Florida obviously won that game. But it feels like Florida has played better. And I will give Florida credit, you know, going on the road at South Carolina in a hostile environment and coming back from the dead in, like, the last seven minutes of the game – that that was impressive. There's there's just no doubt about it. And so I think that um, they they are a tough out. But I also think that we just have the deep threats and the ability to really. That's where we need to you know we need to we need to hit them uh, to early and often I guess to kind of put them out of it and kind of put them in a position where they're having to, you know, to kind of play out of their comfort zone. Because I think if it's a close game, I think if they kind of muck it up and they get these, you know, and they're able to keep it close, I mean, they're a dangerous team. I think if we're a team, if we can get to an early lead, that really helps us overall. And that puts Florida in a vulnerable position because they aren't the type of team that's just going to strike you 
um, well down the field. Graham Ertz has been very, very efficient lately, but he's just not, he's not the deep guy, but I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Florida has a shot to beat us? I, I, I can't say that I think that they do. And yeah, deep down, I feel very confident uh, coming out of the bye week that we're going to come in strong and, and wanting to absolutely just slap them around. Um, kind of how I feel, but I, I don't, I don't want to say that in a sense and make it feel like I'm not giving any credit to, to what's been going on at Florida. Um, yeah, we all know um, South Carolina. Yeah, Williams Bryce, very, very tough place to play, hostile environment. They were able to, you know, make a comeback and, and beat um, Florida. Um, so that was very impressive. And Graham Mertz has actually, you know, very much impressed me um, the whole season. Um, He's been extremely accurate, you know, around that maybe 70 to 80 percent mark. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's tough to do, especially in, in this in this conference um, to to have that high of a, a high of a completion percentage. But, um, you know, it's not a lot of uh, it's not a lot of deep stuff either. Um, and, and I feel like it's a lot of very, very underneath stuff like like Carson Beck throws underneath stuff. But he's got these athletes that are going out there and turning them into, you know, 10 yard, 12 yard, you know, and up gains. Right. But for him, it's, it seems like, you know, um, he doesn't really have that as much, um, you know, with the team that he has around him. Uh, I really do like that, uh, that receiver uh, transfer from app state, Ricky Pearsall. Um, he, he's a solid player. Um, he does a lot for them. Can go, go to the deep ball, runs really good routes. Um, so I can see, you know, him being a challenge, you know, um, for, for our, defense and our defensive backs. But I, I think, I think you know, Julian Humphrey, Dalen Everett, Kamari Lasseter, whoever, whoever ends up matching up with him. Um, I think I think that, you know, we're going to be in a good spot there. Um, defensive line stepping up. So I think that kind of kind of negates, uh, you know, the, the effect of, of Trevor Etienne and, and Montreal Johnson. If you, if you remember uh, Tennessee game, both those guys had really big games that were, you know, key components to, to them being able to pull that win. Um against the volunteers. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel, you know, very confident in this Georgia Bulldog football team, you know, heading into this. Today, I was uh, flipping through Instagram and just got goosebumps looking at, I think it was SEC Network posted something that was, uh, it was a dive, it was a goal line play back in 2007. Um, Sean Moreno like, hops over the offensive line very uncharacteristic uh, coaching call there by by old Coach Richt. Let's the whole team run out onto the field. A little bit of dancing, juking and jiving from from Trenton Sturdivant out there, and and the the camera pans to old Tebow. Just you know, no, no emotion on his face. Maybe sadness. Maybe sadness was the emotion. But that was very early in the game, and so yeah, that kind of atmosphere is what we're talking about on Saturday. Is is don't be afraid to get out there and, and celebrate. I mean, this is this is this is what it's all about. It is, you know, making the Florida Gators miserable. So I'm just fired up about it. I know that this team, you know, people were talking about how bad we were against the run after the Auburn game. Um, well, that's that's changed. Um, I feel like the, the yeah we have a group of leaders on that on that defensive line that didn't like that talk at all. And so I think that the, you know, after that game, they, they put the impetus on them to, to change things and, and, and turn it around and 
um, I think that, you know, we're going to be able to negate a lot of the, the good that you see from from uh, ETN and, and Montreal Johnson, uh, who are both great running backs in their own right. But um, when you got a fired up uh, defensive line who people have been running their mouth about, uh, you got a problem because this, this is a talented team. You know, I just think that Hugh Free schemed up, you know, some good runs against us and we just, you know, weren't you know prepared responsibility wise. It wasn't a talent issue. So, um you know, all, all those factors combined, big W, big W for the dogs. Well, uh, on top of that, you know, we'll, as we talked about Williams, Bryce, difficult, uh, Jacksonville, and we talked about the atmosphere there. I mean, Jacksonville can be a difficult place, and especially, I mean, you hear it if you're especially not playing well, but it's certainly not the same as Jordan Hare and having to go and play in a hostile environment like that. And so I also think that that has a factor and that plays to our advantage. Um, if this game were in the swamp, I might say, well, that's that, you know, that adds a different element, but um, just given Jacksonville and Jacksonville in general is not like uh, there are more intimidating stadiums than Jacksonville municipal stadium or whatever, Everlink stadium, whatever they call it these days. Um, so that all is is to our advantage, but I also think just the bye week, Kirby has become a better in-game coach uh, over time and a better schemer. And I think, you know, the what what Kirby always brought to the table from from the jump was the ability to be a great motivator. Obviously, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with being like an elite recruiter, and then that kind of coupled. Um, with his schematic, you know, he knew how to scheme on defense. He was a good schemer on defense. Um, he has become a much more holistic coach, and you cannot, you cannot not be that if you're going to win back-to-back national championships. So what I mean is, like, load management. Yeah, we play really hard, but I also think he's figured it out and, like, make sure that the players get rested up and are healthy in the bye, after the bye week. I think – there are just things you learn as you go along in it. And I'll be honest, I was an accountant for like multiple years and now I'm in a, you know, I am an accountant, but I'm on the other side of things and I'm doing things for the first time. And it's like, I'll do things the second time that, you know, various different tasks, monthly tasks. And I'm like, wait, why did I do it that way? That first time that was so dumb. Like I, I, you know, just obviously wasn't thinking properly. And now that I have more knowledge and more kind of, just holistic thought process after doing other things. It's like, no, actually the right way to do it was this way. And how could I be so stupid? But then it's also like, well, you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, it, I, I don't know. I I'm experiencing some of that and I see how Kirby like has kind of stacked year after year and is now, you know, I think, and, and so all that to say, I think uh, we are going to come out looking really sharp as we have the last few years against uh, Florida. And and I'm going to go ahead and predict it. Um, I think Florida gets a couple touchdowns, but I think we pull away 34-14 dogs. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm pretty close to you there. Um, I, I do think that they score. They get a touchdown. Um, they're able to yeah, maybe take advantage of some sort of a, you know, lapse in, in coverage there. Um, but I've got, I've got 38-10 uh, dogs. 38-10 dogs. Uh, do you believe Rob Rao Thomas will be our, our leading receiver this week or Dominic Lovett? Who do you think is going to be the guy that emerges? Or is it going to be Oscar Delp? I mean, are we going to go back to the tight end? I, th- I think we see Don Lovett with uh, the most yards. I think that 
Uh, you're going to see a few really big catches from Ra-Ra, though, like maybe in the end zone type catches. So I've got I got Ra-Ra with the touchdowns. I got I got Dom with the with the yards. All right. I like it. I like it. Or, you know, talking about transfer portal, like, you know, the big dogs can get get a little bit of love on the transfer portal, too. And I think especially, I mean, you look at Georgia, though, like we lost A.D. Mitchell and I mean, he's tearing it up at Texas. So it's not like we necessarily, <laughs> you know, went out and we're like, I mean, we just have to replace a few guys. Uh, but I digress. I will say, Kyler. The guy who I've just been ever so impressed with all year long and who I think doesn't get enough praise, and I think you've tried to heap a lot on him, but still I think it needs to be said is old Rosamie Jackson has been an incredibly reliable asset for Georgia, has made a lot of big third down catches, and I feel like – I feel like he's just – he's kind of the – I don't know. With Bowers being out, I could see him also being the safety blanket because I really – I cannot remember the last time he dropped a pass. I'm probably missing something, but I feel like he's one of the most sure-handed players on the team and has really – you know, I mean, he's he's not – too flashy, but I feel like he's almost always on the stat line for like six catches, 60 yards. Like, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, um, you know, I, I can't think of a, a player maybe besides like Cedric Van Pran that is more important to this offense, maybe even to the team overall. The, the attitude that he approaches the game with. Um, his physical nature and blocking, his reliable hands. Um, yeah, couldn't ask for, for a better teammate. Um, and a guy like, like Rosemary Jackson, I, I love to see him, um, you know, get some spotlight, get, get some more looks. Um, definitely, it seems like there will be more that, that could come his way this week. I mean, I also want to throw in Arian Smith. I know that he's, you know, had some, some drops and then, and uh, hasn't got all the play in time. But, you know, I, I do see, you know, this is a rivalry game. Kirby does not like Florida. Um, so scheming up ways to get him deep down that field and open for, for big time touchdowns like we saw uh, against Ohio State and in the, in the in the semifinals last year. Yeah, I, I think we would love to to see Arian finally get it together. I mean, it really has been pretty it's been tough a watch, a tough watch at times because I feel like we've we've tried him deep probably it feels like every game and he's had quite a few drops this season which I know he wasn't always the sure, most sure-handed player but you're just you, I don't know you feel like he um he should do more and unless we shouldn't forget about our boy Lab McConkey too who uh, continues to kind of get back to, to health and is a guy who we know is explosive. So I feel like just count us out at your at your peril. I know that Brock Bowers, I mean, he's a next level talent, but it doesn't it certainly doesn't mean that we can't that, you know, we can't survive without him. I think we both believe that we can. So, Kyle, any final thoughts, though, before we head out for this week? I just, you know, uh, this is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, that that's a big deal. Um, if anyone has ever, you know, made the, the journey down to Jacksonville for one of these games knows how special this environment is. And, uh, we've got, we've got a team this year that, that kind of has a little bit of a chip on their, on their shoulder. I feel like, um, not that, not that they, sh- you know, should necessarily you know, have to bear that kind of weight. You know, they're two time defending national champions, but, uh, the naysayers are out there. The, you know, the, 
Vegas odds predictors or, you know, we're, we're maybe like, I don't know, fourth or fifth, you know, and, and the, the best odds to, to win the national championship. Um, and, and Kirby's going to spin all of this in a way to, to get everybody fired up. I mean, I don't think anybody in the media is saying that we're absolute trash or anything, but the way that Kirby frames it to his players, oh, they're going to think that everybody says that they're trash and they're going to come out fired up and motivated and, and ready to pop someone in the tee. So I'm excited to see that. What about you, man? How are you feeling? As I've said it, just bring it on. Like, let's let's go. Let's go. Every week is, you know, we're, we've won 24 straight, and you just have to go in thinking that, like, I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I also think that, like, you said you didn't think Florida could beat us. I do think Florida can beat us. I think these next four games all have the possibility and potential of us losing. I mean, we go – we go this week, then we play Missouri, then we play Old Miss, and we play at Tennessee. Now, I will say that way that the games are shaped, it's it's in our favor uh, in the fact that obviously this game's in Jacksonville, but then Old Miss, who I think is a dangerous team and just is ever so steady and is you know possibly going to be a top ten team, uh, is very good. I think Missouri looks back and like yes, they lost to LSU by ten, but. It was closer, and if there wasn't a pick six, I mean, that was like a game that easily, you know, had Brady Cook charge down the field at the end of the game. We could be talking about an undefeated Missouri team playing us. Um, and then and then Tennessee, who's, I think, at, you know, credit to Josh Heupel, honestly. And the reason being is that this is not a Heupel team, but yet they're still winning. And I feel like, to me, this is actually the opposite of USC, Kyler. And this shows you, I feel like, the total difference between a coach who can coach and is real good and a, you know, a coach who just kind of falls back on his laurels and doesn't evolve. And I think that Hypo, you're seeing the evolution because, okay, his offense isn't quite there. He, he doesn't have the guy he wants in Joe Milton. But the defense has really picked it up and and played well and has kept them in games. And the bottom line is, as if the defense continues to improve and plays as well, like Tennessee, they will get the right quarterback. Make no mistake about it. They will get the you know skill players around. You just have to look at the offense from two years ago and say, like, yeah, Heupel knows what he's doing. I'll get to the NFL. I'll get my you know snaps and. They're, they're going to be dangerous. It's I, I think we take them this year. But um, but the bottom line is, like, all those games back to back to back, very difficult to, to win all those games. And so, like, just ride the free ride while we have it and know that, like, I do think we win all those games. I do think we win another national championship. But I also recognize nobody's ever won three national championships in a row in the modern era. So just enjoy the ride while we got it. That's it. That's it. Kick your feet up. Let's go for a ride, baby. All right. Well, for Kyler Carr, I am Matt Kerr. This has been the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Check us out on Instagram, the underscore D-O-T-E-O-B, and check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, That's where we are. All right. As we end the podcast, go dogs. Go dogs.